welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Awesome job, praise team. How are you thankful for the praise team? Amen. Well, that'd be bad if Pastor didn't have his Bible. <laughs> he had his Bible. Um, I'm so thankful for everybody on the helps team. How many of you serve on the helps team? Awesome. I'm going to give you a hand clap. You should give each other a hand clap. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You know, without you guys serving, you know, we could not put on the service that's put on today. You know, if it was only up to Pastor and a few of us staff members, it wouldn't be a very great service. But it's because of everybody doing their part that we can do this this morning. Amen? And guess what? If you're not serving today, obviously, if you're uh, sitting in here, you're not serving today, come expecting that God's going to speak to you. Don't come just, you know, expecting just another message. Come expecting the message to change you. Amen? Don't come in here thinking you're a know-it-all. Amen? You know, even, um, you know, as, you know, the, the ones who come up and minister, I think it's, it can be easy for us to think we know it all too, or, or the people have heard that already. Man, sometimes I have to hear things over and over and over again before it's like, oh, so that's what you meant. Oh, okay, okay. You know, there's a lot more that we have yet to learn. Amen. Amen. You guys ready to get into the word? All right, let's open our Bibles to Hebrews 4, 15. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Dominic, and um, I'm very excited and privileged to be able to preach to you today. How many of you excited and privileged to be sitting in this place today? Not to hear what I have to say, but what God has to say to you. I believe God has a word for you in this season of your life. Amen? I want to acknowledge the fathers again. Happy Father's Day. Can we give them another hand clap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually get to celebrate this day for me. Woo! But it's kind of funny. It's, um, Rachel did a, got me a great gift. She got me uh, Denver Bronco tickets. Oh, wow. Def, definitely upped what I got her. And I thought what I got her was pretty good. So, um, But I'm like, you know, out of 364, four other days of parenting, I'll take a gift on Father's Day, you know, like, yeah, it's not as, it's not as easy as uh, some people make it look, you know, or maybe they're just really good at hiding their feelings, you know, but being a father's fun, being a father's challenging, but being a father, it, it shows me the love of God more than anything else that I've experienced in my life, because looking at, at the love I have from my kids, man, how much more does God love us? That, like how the, the song says, how much more? Man, if I love my kids and if I do good things for my gifts, or good, good things to my kids, giving them gifts and stuff, how much more our Father in heaven does he love us and give you richly all things to enjoy? Amen? So it's a great blessing to be a father. Um, like Pastor said, there's been an attack on fatherhood in our country, in our world, an attack on the family. But 
That just means that we need to shine brighter, church. Amen? Be biblical examples of what it means to be a father who loves Jesus. All right, how many of you have been enjoying the series on favor? Good. That was a good group of hands. Good. Glad you're excited. Um, I believe this will be the last message on it. Um, I'm kind of sad about it, but I think the Lord wants to continue in other things. But in saying that, the Lord told me to kind of cut it short today. Um, Part of the reason is because I have so many notes, and if I try to get it all out today, I don't think it's going to be very good. So I'm going to take my time, and if we have to do a part two, whenever I get the opportunity to come back up here, we're going to do a part two, all right? You guys can come back for part two? All right, cool. Well, let's get started. Hebrews 4, 15. Not Hebrews 4, 16. Hebrews 4, 15. If you've been coming, that's the scripture we've been starting out in. And I'm going to just be reading New King James today. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Wow. Jesus is a beast. Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So in verse 16, it says, let us therefore come. So anytime there's a therefore, we need to go back up and figure out why the therefore is therefore. So why can we come boldly to the throne of grace? Go back to verse 15. Because we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So because we have Jesus, and he's talking about Jesus here, Jesus is our high priest, the reason we can come boldly to the throne of grace, the throne of favor, to obtain the help we need, to obtain the mercy we need, to obtain the favor we need, to obtain the grace we need, is because Jesus knows what it's like to be us. Aren't you thankful for that? We have a God who knows what it's like to be us to live in this body, to live on this earth with all the sin, with all the disease, with all um, everything wrong and evil. He knows what it's like to be me and you. So who better to be able to help us in our time of need than a God who knows exactly what it's like to be us? Come on, if you're going through something, don't you want to go to somebody who's had experience in that area to get um, help, to get advice in this particular thing you might be struggling with? Well, guess what? Jesus has struggled with it all, and he overcame it all for us. So that's why we can come boldly to the throne of grace is because whatever whatever we're facing, financial, spiritual, Uh, in our soul, mind, will, and emotions, relationships, whatever it is, he's gone through it and he has the exact answer for what you need. Why? Because he went through it too. We don't have a God who's just up there and doesn't know what it's like to be us. He knows exactly what it's like to be us. Come on, uh, from the little thing, little things like um, he was a sibling. Anybody have siblings? Anybody have issues with their siblings or have had issues with their siblings? Yeah, yeah. He knows what it's like maybe when the siblings are ganging up on you and giving you wedgies and stuff. (laughs) 
He had a lot of siblings. We don't know what happened. Hopefully he wasn't the one doing the wedgie stuff. I doubt it. He was perfect. Praise God. I'm sure he ran. I'm sure he did a few jokes. But he knows what it's like when your siblings don't always um, treat you nicely. Even in the scriptures, it says his siblings didn't believe who he was, who he said he was. Um, maybe a little, little further, he knows what it's like to live life without a parent. Um, we have Joseph in the Bible at the, the birth of Jesus. We don't have Joseph later on in life when, he's, when Jesus in ministry. At some point in time, many scholars and theologians and all that agree that Joseph died and Jesus had to kind of take up the mantle because he was the oldest kid. He had to start helping his mom with the family. He knows what it's like to lose a parent. Isn't that cool that he knows what it's like so that way he can help you? There's a lot of people, um, and Father's Day, there's a lot of fathers who have left their family behind and not been good parents and not been good fathers. He knows what it's like to lose an earthly father, but to lean into the love of his heavenly father. He knows what it's like. Therefore, he can help you. That's what I love about Christianity. It's, it's very practical, and it's, a, it's about a God who meets us right where we're at. Amen? He loves us right where we're at, so that way he can pull us up, pick us up to higher places. So he has, and he always wants to help you with whatever you need. That's why you can come boldly to the throne of grace. And we've talked a lot about this, that we need to come boldly. Amen? We need to come up to the throne like we belong there because we do. It needs to be our first order of business, not our last hoorah with whatever comes our way. If things aren't looking good in your life in a particular area, what's the first thing you should be doing? Going boldly to the throne of grace, amen? Going boldly to where all the help you need, that's where it is. It's in his presence. It's in it's in fellowship with him. In fact, he's even given us a person whose MO, whose title is the word helper. Who am I talking about? The Holy Spirit. He's given us a person whose job is to help us. Wow. My question is, is are we tapping into that? Are we leaning into the helper to help us? Or are we trying to do things in and of our own strength? So let's turn into our Bibles to Acts 2. Acts 2. If you were here last week, I kind of already gave away the title of my message. But if you weren't here last week, don't spoil it for them. I'm going to be saying the title here soon, so don't be one of those that just blurts out answers without raising your hand in school. <laughs> Acts 2.1. It says, um, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So Pentecost was a... a for those of you who don't know, was a festival that happened 50 days after Passover, which that's celebrated every year. Um, in fact, Pentecost just was celebrated earlier this month. So 50 days after Passover, they were all in one accord and in one place. And this is talking about the disciples, about 120 of them. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
Then there appeared unto them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I just want to back up to verse 3 real quick. It says, And there were there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and it sat on each one of them. Each one of them got filled with fire that day. Each one of them got filled with a passion to do whatever it is God called them to do. Each one. Nobody, that, Christianity, it's not about sitting on the sidelines and watching somebody else do all the work. There's a fire inside of you that you need to rekindle so that way you can do your part. Come on, the world is desiring us to do our part. Have you noticed? The world's getting darker. We need to not be fearful about it. We need to not complain about it. Come on, the world's crying out for a church to reignite its fire. Amen? A church... And, and members of the church. We are all part of the body. Each one of us has a part. Each one of us has a purpose. Each one of us has a calling that needs to be fulfilled. Each one of us has a fire on the inside of us that we need to just throw some more wood on the fire. We need to light it with gasoline. Come on, we need to get it. You know what that is? That's a big fire. Big, big fire. Big fire, combustion, I like that word, combustion. It needs to not just be a little itty bitty tiny fire. See, God's given us the fire, it's up to us to grow the fire. The Bible says, stir up the gift that is on the inside of you. How do we stir it up? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, we, we receive the Holy Spirit, but in Acts 2 right here, it talks about being filled with the Spirit. Amen? But the focus today is, is there's a fire. You already have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you if you're born again. You already have a part of the fire. I love in the Old Testament how in, and when God would reveal himself, a lot of times it was with fire. It was with fire. Why? Because God is like a fire. And we need to be like, like a fire, like like a, like a wildfire in the negative sense, right, it, it, it spreads really easily, especially if the wind's picking up, right? We know about wildfires living in this side of the country. But what if it's on the positive side? What if we were, you know, this wildfire and we just spread so easily and it just goes faster and faster and faster and faster and moves and moves and moves and moves. Before we know it, we got revival on our hands, people. All because we rekindled the fire that's on the inside of us. That's not really part of my message, but I felt like I needed to tell you that you got a fire on the inside of you. And guess what? You're not too old to rekindle it. You're not too young to discover what it is. Everybody's got a fire on the inside of them. Let's burn it up. Come on. All right, um, let's go to um, verse 14. So I want to skip over um, verses 5 through 13 and jump straight to 14. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, 
raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. We're going to come back to that verse. But today I want to talk to you about the favor of the Holy Spirit. The favor of the Holy Spirit. And before we get too much farther in the message, I think we should pray, make sure we're expecting, and uh, believe for change. Amen? Amen. Father God, we just come to you today. Lord, help my words not to be my words, but help my words to be your truth. Help my words to be your oracles. Help my words to touch the lives and the hearts of everybody sitting in this room today, people watching online, people who will watch the archive, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that we have ears to hear, Lord, and eyes to see all you have for us. And we will not just be hearers of this word, but we will be doers of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to us believers is the ultimate and best gift God the Father has ever and will ever give us, period, all right? It doesn't get any better than the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to save the world. The Holy Spirit came in to empower the church, amen? It doesn't just stop with salvation. It's just the beginning. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate and the best gift that God, that God the Father has ever given us. He is the pinnacle of God's favor on our lives. Okay? He's the pinnacle. It doesn't get any better than the Holy Spirit living, living in us, resting upon us, and empowering us. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit who's the enabler of all the previous favor message I have, messages I have preached. Amen? Everything that encompasses grace is because of the Holy Spirit. He's called the Spirit of grace. He's the enabler. He is what separates us from the people of the world. He is what separates us from other religions. He's a pretty important person, wouldn't you say? He's a pretty important person. No wonder the devil has tried to keep the church fighting about the Holy Spirit for years and years and years and years and years and years and more years and years and years and years. In fact, for a lot of the church age, has, it's been silent on the Holy Spirit. And if it hasn't been silent, it's been bickering and arguing over the Holy Spirit's role, what his gifts are, tongues, and all that, you name it. Why has there been such um, attack? Why has there been such confusion? Why has there been such division on somebody who's sent to help us? Does that make sense? No. He's designed excuse me, he is called to help us. Like, he, he, he wants to help. Like, anything you need, he wants to help you with. Like, he's just like, oh, they need help. I'm ready to help. Oh, they have this need here. I'm ready to help them with that. Oh, they have this relationship issue. I'm ready to give them advice. Like, he's always ready to help. No wonder the enemy has tried so hard to either not get us talking about him or then to confuse us on who the Holy Spirit is. He is God. Amen? 
I heard another uh, preacher say this, and I thought it was, thought it was funny, and it's, it's true. The Holy Spirit is not junior Jesus. <laughs> He's not second rate. It's not like Jesus was um, here on the earth, and be like, okay, guys, let me just give it to you like it is. I'm going to go die on a cross. You're all going to abandon me. It's going to be terrible. But I'm going to give you another guy who's almost as good as me. It's going to be just... Okay, maybe not as good as me, you know, being here with you, you know, um, you know, I won't leave you too stranded, you know, he can't do as good a job as me, but you know, it's the best we got. Is that what Jesus said? What did Jesus say? He said, it is far better that I go and be with the father. Why? So that I can send the helper to you. Jesus said it was better that he go so that way the Holy Spirit could come. That's the words of Jesus. And the sad part is most of the church world doesn't believe that. Most of the church world would think it would be better to live back in the day with Jesus. Oh, if we just had Jesus in person here. Well, Jesus himself said it would be better that he go. Better. Wow, when, he, when, he, when you start thinking about that, it's like, whoa, church, we need to tap into our potential. Why, why is it far better that he would go so the helper could come? Because the helper would then start infilling and being in every person who starts accepting Jesus. See, back then, Jesus was the only one who had the Holy Spirit. Once he died and was raised up, and everyone else had the ability now to be carriers of the Holy Spirit. Woo! It was like that wildfire thing I was talking about earlier. You know, it started out with just Jesus, and then it started to spread everywhere. And it turned the world upside down. Far better. It was far better that Jesus go. So it's way better, in case you haven't gotten it yet, it's way better where we're at now than if we lived when Jesus lived because of what he did and who he sent to help us. There were, there were many directions that um, I could have gone today. You know, I, was, I, was, I knew the message was supposed to be called the favor of the Holy Spirit. And so I was like, okay, that seems like a pretty big topic. You know, like, where do I start? So I just started typing out um, everything I could find in the scriptures, you know, of what the Holy Spirit does for us or enables us to do. I'm like, I'll start there. That's a good, that's a good starting point. And I got to about 15 things and I'm like, oh my, this is starting to turn into a series and not a single message. Um, I know th this isn't what you have, Lord. W what is it you have for them? What is it you have for us? So I just kept seeking God. And then I went on vacation a couple weeks ago, and in the midst of whatever I was doing, I can't recall what I was doing, but I, I got it. I got it. And see, for me, and I don't know about you, but God a lot of times will speak to me right in the middle of, that I'm, of me doing something. It has, like I'm not, my mind's not totally focused on God. Either I'm mowing the lawn or I'm playing a game of golf or I'm chasing the kids around or, or something. Usually the answer for me doesn't come as soon as I pray. Can anybody else relate to that? Sometimes it does. I'm not saying it doesn't. But for me, most of the time, I have to be listening. 
I have to be listening throughout my day. See, I think the Lord's trying to talk to us a lot more than we're listening. We need to constantly be focused and have an ear to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Honestly, that's how I get a lot of my messages. It's in the middle of doing something else. All of a sudden, I get something from the inside, a thought that's, that's the title of the next message. I'm like, oh, that's it. And then I, I, I use my phone for something good, and I put the message in there. What am I trying to get at? You need to always be ready to type or write whatever the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you. Because guess what? He'll drop, he'll drop it probably when you're least expecting it. And I think what a lot of us do is we get it and we think, oh, we'll remember that later. And then we don't and we forget it. That business idea, that, that relational advice, whatever it is, we, I think a lot of us get the answer most of the time, but we don't discern it's God and we don't write it down. You need to write it down, amen? And we need to always be listening. Um, so today, you know, I thought about the things that I could have taught on, 15 things. I'm like, wow, we're gonna be here a while if it's 15 things. But specifically today, I wanna talk about the favor of the Holy Spirit through the life of Peter. Through the life of Peter, I'm like, ah, that's why, that's why I wanted to go to verse 14 where it said, but Peter standing up with the 11. I wanna talk to you today about the favor of the Holy Spirit through Peter. You see, Peter was the wild card of the apostles. Yeah, he was the wild card. He was the all or nothing kind of guy. You either were gonna get a really good day out of Peter or you were gonna get a really bad day out of Peter. You could either get a really good moment out of Peter or five minutes later, you'd be getting a really bad moment out of Peter. Can anybody relate to Peter? Some people are like, I don't know if I should raise my hand at that. So this is a guy who made a lot of the mistakes and God was so good and gracious to write a lot of them in the Bible. Um, So I'm gonna tell you a list of 10 things that Peter did wrong. And hopefully he doesn't slap me when I get to heaven and be like, really, you're going to ex- exaggerate my, uh, my wrongdoings? I'm like, hey, talk it up with Jesus. He put it in the Bible. So obviously we need to know what, everything you did and how you messed up, all right? See, you, want, you wanted to live back in Jesus' day? Your mistakes might have been put in the word of God. Be thankful that you didn't live back then. All right, list of 10 things Peter got wrong. I'm going to make everybody feel really good for a few minutes. Number one, Peter would misinterpret and misunderstand Jesus' teachings. That's, yeah, okay. Number two, he tried to keep the children away from Jesus when they ran up to him. And Jesus rebuked him. Be like, no, let the children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. All right. Number three, he partook in the arguing amongst the disciples of who would be the greatest. (laughs) I'm the greatest. No, you're the greatest. No, you're not the greatest. I'm the greatest. Who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Um, Number four, which started as a a success, but turned into a failure. Peter uh, failed to continue walking on water. Hey, but at least he got out of the boat. He's the only one that got out of the boat. The other 11 are over there using the bathroom in their pants. And he got out, at least he got out on the water. 
You know, at least I give him at least a C plus for trying. The other people got F's. <laughs> so he failed to continue walking on water. Number five, he made it really awkward on the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember that story? Like Jesus takes his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. They go up to the Mount where Jesus is transfigured. And that simply means that he was, he became super bright, like the sun, brighter than the sun. It was, it was a, a revealing of what his future glory would be like. And then as the, I think as the, the light was settling, they see uh, Peter, James, and John see that Jesus is talking with Elijah and Moses. Yeah. So the other, the other disciples just kept quiet. Peter had to make it awkward. He's like, he didn't know what to say. So he's like, why don't we make tents for you, Jesus and Moses and Elijah, so we can sleep on this mountain? Really? That's happening in front of you and you think you need to go make tents for them. Does that even make sense? I wonder what their face was like. Were they like, does it look like we need tents right now? No, no. Made it super awkward. Like, just enjoy the moment. Don't ruin it by thinking you need to go build tents. Number six, he tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross, causing Jesus to rebuke him with the famous words, get behind me, Satan. Now, in fairness to Peter, he just had a really good moment a few verses before where he acknowledged Jesus was the Christ, he was the Messiah, and Jesus was like, oh, yeah, you're awesome, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but God revealed it to you, and you took note of it, and you spoke it out. Great, great, great. That's the DJ paraphrase version. And then a few verses later, when Jesus is like, yo, I got to go to the cross, I got to go die, this has got to happen, and Peter takes him aside. And is like, look, Jesus, you ain't going to the cross. You ain't doing that. That ain't happening. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Do you think what his face was like? He was like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> Only person Jesus had to tell that to, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> um, number seven. You guys, you guys enjoying this? This is making you feel really good about all your mistakes. At least you didn't do this, you know? <laughs> Number seven, he tried to resist Jesus from uh, washing his feet. And, you know, towards the end of Jesus' life, Jesus started, he was showing them an example of, of washing their feet and being a servant. And Peter, of course, Peter, is the only one's like, Jesus, you ain't washing my feet. That shouldn't be happening. If I should be washing your feet. He's the only one who had an issue with it. And Jesus is like, well, unless I do this, you don't have any place in me. And then awkward Peter says, oh, why don't you just bathe me, Jesus? Just, just, just bathe me. Just cover me all in water then. That's what he said. He said, well, don't just get my feet. Get all of me. Just bathe all of me. I need to make sure not just my feet go to heaven, but all of me get to heaven. Again, making it awkward like... Peter, Jesus isn't going to bathe you in front of everybody. That's weird. Come on, dude. All right, number eight. He fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, leaving Jesus alone in his most vulnerable time. The time Jesus needed him the most, he was not there for him. Mm. Number nine. 
probably the most, more famous than the get behind me Satan is he denies Jesus and curses at people. He denies that he ever knew Jesus and curses the people who bring it up. Wow. Now that all happened pre-salvation and pre-being filled with the spirit, okay? But there is something that happened after all that. In, in uh, one of Paul's epistles, he talks about Peter, how Peter started to draw back from the Gentiles and from Paul in fear of what the Jews would think of him. And this caused Paul to rebuke him to his face openly. So that happened after all that. So can you still make a mistake after you get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you, you can. You can. So my first point is, after all that, is the Holy Spirit can turn any person from a failure to a winner. Any person. The Holy Spirit can turn any person from a failure to a winner. Look at all the mistakes Peter made. If anyone would have been disqualified from the ministry, who do you think it was going to be? Peter. It was going to be Peter. I think a lot of times, a lot of us discount ourselves because of the failures we've made. We look down upon ourselves. We say, we don't deserve this, we don't deserve that, I've, I've messed up too much. Man, Peter messed up a lot. I just gave you 10 things Peter did. And number nine was pretty bad. Number nine caused him to not be a, an apostle anymore for a period of time till Jesus restored him. See, when you discount yourselves, when you look at your failures, you hinder what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. You hinder his favor from being able to flow in your life because you are more focused and you identify more with your failures than you do his grace. You identify more with your mistakes than who he says you are in Christ. You identify more of what people say about you and the things you've done than what he says about you. And we need to not focus on our failures. Amen? Amen. Pastor has said it a lot of times, but there's a reason the rear view mirror is a lot smaller than the windshield. How many are you thankful for that? Man, if you were trying to, think of it if it was the opposite. It's kind of a weird um, you know, imagery, but if the, the, the rear view mirror was as big as the windshield and all you had was that little itty bitty um, space to look at where you're going, how many wrecks would you get in? It's the same spiritually. We have our mistakes and our failures blown up to the size of a windshield. We're so focused on that that we keep getting off the road, dinged up in wrecks and in crashes that we're never supposed to be in in the first place because we're trying to look at our future through a little piece this big. I submit to you today, a lot of the things that have happened in our life, I think is because we've looked at ourselves not the way God looks at us. This is important, guys. It's important to not have like a woe me attitude 
Why? Because what God did is far greater than any mistake we've done. And I'm looking at a bunch of people who were at once failures, but are now winners. Amen? I'm looking at a bunch of people who have made a lot of mistakes. How many of you have made a lot of mistakes? Maybe things people don't even know about that you've done. Horrible things. But if you focus on that more than what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, you're not going to go very far. And it won't be God's fault. Right? We need to put our mistakes in the rearview mirror, the actual rearview mirror, and focus on the glorious future God has for all of us. Amen? This includes the mistakes of others, the mistakes of the government. Let's not make open the mistakes, but let's focus on the promises of God. Amen? Let's not focus on the economy like we said earlier. Let's focus on Jehovah Jireh. Amen? Let's focus on who he says we are. Let's focus on that. You see, in verse 14, if you can put uh, Acts 2.14 back up on the screen. The reason I went to this one is because it said, but Peter standing up with the 11. I like that. Peter stood up. And I know it's talking about, in a literal sense, he stood up to give the greatest sermon he's ever preached. His first sermon he ever preached, and it's one of the best sermons ever preached. How could he do that? By the Holy Spirit. But figuratively speaking, Peter stood up and he never sat back down. He never let future failures, that failure that he had with Paul, he was doing things he wasn't supposed to, he never let himself get back to the place of where he was after he denied Jesus. We need to not let ourselves get back to that dark place of where we're at right after we made a big mistake. We need to get up. That doesn't mean we keep making mistakes, right? That doesn't mean we keep sinning and all that. That's not what this, this is. But if we do make mistakes, we need to get up. Amen? We need to stand up. Because the only time we lose is when we stay seated. The only time we lose is when we stay down. We need to get back up. Get back up. We need to get back up. Come on, I'm telling somebody today, they need to get back up. You might have just messed up. You might have just thought, you know, your life is ruined. God could never fix this. Well, I'm telling you, God can fix anything. And you need to get up. You need to stop dwelling on the mistakes you've made in the past. And you need to focus on what the future has. Stop using the mistakes of the past as an excuse for why you can't go to where God wants you to go. Come on, anything is possible with God. All things are possible with him. Nothing is too far gone for God. So an example I had for this, which I didn't want to bring him up, but love him or hate him, it was just ugh, Tom Brady, all right? <laughs> love him or hate him. It's just like, it's hard to get past his story. And for those of you who don't know who Tom Brady is, he's arguably the greatest quarterback in the NFL. And he's won so many Super Bowls, I can't even count them. I think it's seven. Um, but he didn't start out being a Super Bowl champion. You know what he started out as? A sixth round pick. 
And for those of you who don't know football very well, each year there's an NFL draft and there's seven rounds. Okay, if you're drafted from like five on, maybe even four on, okay, we'll say five on, you're pretty much not looked at as somebody who can ever start. Okay? And he was almost undrafted. So he was looked at as a person who was going to be on the bench being the backup for the rest of his career. But then he got his opportunity and he shined really well and won a lot of Super Bowls and many consider him the greatest of all time. But you see, if he would have focused on the identity of being a sixth round pick, if he stayed focused on that and would have been like, oh, that's not fair, I'm better than this and blah, 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 blah. If he stayed focused on that, do you think he would have been do you think he would have been later been called the goat, greatest of all time? No. See, his identi- he didn't let his identi- identity stay caught in sixth round pick. He focused on his identity on greatest of all time. You need to stop focusing your identity on this mistake and more on I'm a child of God. I'm seated with him in heavenly places Stop focusing on, oh, this, this thing that I did is too great. I can't recover from it. To the blood washes me whiter than snow. It's as if I've never sinned. It's as if I've never made a mistake. It's as if I'm Jesus, righteously speaking. That's what he did, right? He traded with us. He made a trade, and it was our sin for his righteousness. Amen? Why am I telling you this today? It's because if you don't get this right, you're never going to walk in the full power that the Holy Spirit has for you. Amen? Because if you don't believe you got the power, no one else is going to believe you got the power. If you don't believe you have the answers, no one else is going to believe you have the answers. Yeah, see, we're going to have to go to part two. I only got to page two. (laughs) See, I told you. Starting to sound like pastor, huh? (laughs) But I wanted to take my time with this because this is not something we should rush. This is not something we should rush. The Holy Spirit is your greatest asset in this life. Think about it. He'll tell you just some of the things he'll do for you He'll show you things to come. Stop being afraid about your, at, that you're going to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Just believe he'll tell you what's going to happen. And if he does you nothing, that means nothing bad's going to happen, so go about your day. We need to trust in what he says. And the more you acknowledge, the more you obey his voice, the more you'll start to hear his voice, the more you'll start to know it's his voice. I've said it many times, but how do you know it's your mom calling you on the phone if you didn't look at caller ID? When you picked up the phone and you heard her what? Her voice. It's very important that we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna have to go straight to the closing because I think it's, since we talked about Peter a lot, I feel like Peter needs redemption at this point. So just turn to John 21 and we'll close with this. 
This is the story of, John, of um, Peter's reconciliation to apostleship. This is his restoration story right here. John 21, and we're gonna read verses 15 through 19. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself up and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying uh, by the death he would glorify God. And many people say he was crucified, crucified upside down actually. And when he had spoken this, he said to him what he told him on the Sea of Galilee again. What did he say? Follow me, follow me. He restored Peter. I find it interesting that the Gospel of John is the only account that we have of the restoration of Peter. You're like, why do you say that? Because if you read the Gospel of John, you find like this rivalry going on throughout the book between John and Peter. It was always like the disciple whom Jesus loved and Peter. And he was always like telling him, <laughs> telling the mistakes that Peter made. But I find it cool that he was the only one who told about the restoration of Peter. That's saying something. They may have had this rivalry, but John loved Peter. And I think it's so cool that it was John who told us about this. It was worth, it was worth writing about. Why? Why did he do this? Well, you don't have to turn there, but in Ephesians 4.30, he knew this just like the apostle Paul did. And in verse 30, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. So, so the next step is, well, how do we not grieve him? Verse 31, let all bitterness, let all bitterness, let all bitterness, bitterness towards people, bitterness towards the government, bitterness towards whoever else you may be bitter towards. Let all bitterness, this is talking about not grieving the spirit. Come on, you don't wanna be grieving the Holy Spirit when you need his help. Let all bitterness, let all wrath, let all anger, let all clamor and evil speaking be what? Be put away. Be put, it, put away. Put it away, never pick it up again with all malice. Verse 32, and be what? Kind, kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has what? Forgiven you. That's how, that's how we go from grieving the Holy Spirit to allowing him to fully function in our life. 
is that scripture right there. Amen? How many of you are going to agree to put away all what? Let's go back to verse 31. All bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all evil speaking, all malice. And what are we going to choose to do instead? Be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, forgiving each other, even as Christ forgave us. Amen? Not just to other people, but especially of those of the household of faith. Come on, church, it's time that we stop bickering and arguing over things that aren't gonna matter in the light of eternity. But we push forward for the cause. We push forward to advance the gospel. We push forward to see our generation one for Jesus. Amen? Our world is crying out for a church to rekindle the fire. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and we thank you, Lord, for showing us things that we need to put away, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for revealing to us the fire on the inside of us. And Lord, if we don't know what that fire is, I declare in Jesus' name wisdom and revelation coming to people who are unsure about the fire and the passion that you've laid on the inside. I pray that they discover it. I pray that they find it and they move forward with all their might towards what you've called them to be. Lord, I pray for um, the people in here. I pray for Faith Heights Church. I thank you that we are a church that, are, that is an example of not grieving the Holy Spirit, but being kind, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, a place of love, a place that'll pick each other up when we fall, a place that doesn't put each other down, but a place that shines the light of Jesus to those around us. I pray for the church as a whole, Father God, the universal church, that we would all get this, Father God, and that as the world gets darker, we would get stronger, not stronger individually, Father God, but stronger together, that each of us would do our part, that each of us, each of us would fulfill what you've called us to fulfill. Each church would fulfill its mission and that we would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would not grieve you, Holy Spirit, but that we would walk how we do when we enter your throne, boldly, that we would walk boldly, that we would get the help we need, that we would get the advice we need, and not just for us, but for others, Father God. When people come to us for help, when people come to us for answers, Lord, that we would not just speak our opinion, Father God, but we would speak words that you're giving us, Holy Spirit, in that time. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, we'll stay in this attitude of prayer if everybody could keep their heads bowed and eyes closed. We never want to close the service without giving people an opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The truth is, if, it, is if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do not have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You do not have the power of God on the inside of you, but I'm, I'm encouraged to tell you that it can change with one decision, with one prayer, you can have the fire, the passion on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to help guide you, to help you in your time of need. So if you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd like you to take an act of faith 
and I'd like you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. No one's going to judge you or anything like that. (laughs) But a small act of faith is raising your hand. If you're watching online, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at as an act of faith. I see that hand. I see that hand. It is the best and greatest decision you will ever make. And it'll start you on the path of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Well, I saw one hand raised, church. Praise God. Amen. Woo! We're going to pray the prayer. That person, anybody watching online, is going to get born again. And the family's going to get bigger. Amen. So repeat after me. Say, Father God, I come to you today. And I declare that I need you, Jesus. Come into my heart. I declare you are Lord. You are Savior. And I believe on the third day, God raised you from the dead. I will not look at my past. I will not magnify my failures. I declare from this day forward, it's washed away by your blood. I am a new creature. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't we stand up, church? Rachel, you can come up. Well, how many of you thankful you came to church on Father's Day? Amen. It was a good day to be in church. So thank you so much for being great listeners. And I believe from this day forward, we're going to go in the power of the Holy Spirit, not grieving him, but doing what we need to do. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the donate tab. 